again, and welcome to episode 66 of Be Boomer Unleashed, The Evolution of Music, Part 3, an interview with John and Christy Snodgrass, Part 1. Boy, that's a lot of parts, isn't it? Well, it's the third episode in a series about the evolution of music, and the interview with John and Christy Snodgrass will have two parts to it. So, The Evolution of Music, Part 3, an interview with John and Christy Snodgrass, Part 1, and next week will be Part 2 of that interview. Before we get into that interview today, let me uh, tell you, as always, where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at bboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at bboomerunleashed, on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed, and on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram. You can find our link at bboomerunleashed, and on Twitter at bboomerunleash one And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Give us suggestions for future episodes. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Be Boomer Unleashed podcast, let us know what you want to talk about, and we'll try to work you in there. Well, this week, episode 66, uh, we get into the genre of gospel music. Last week, We interviewed Shane Cartmill as we discussed music of his generation, and the week before that we talked about uh, the music of the 50s and 60s with fellow boomer Randy Bishop. Well, this week we're going to shift gears just a little bit and move, like I said, to the genre of gospel music, and in particular southern gospel. Well, today we're happy to have John and Christy Snodgrass, who have been extremely active in quartet singing and gospel music for many years. Hope you enjoyed today's interview with John and Christy. Let's go to that interview now. Well, we have some special guests with us today at the Bee Boomer Unleashed studio. John and Christy Snodgrass are with us today. And this episode, we're going to talk about gospel music and in particular, maybe some Southern gospel music. And I want everybody to know that uh, no humans were infected with the coronavirus with the uh, recording of this program. We're maintaining social distancing. We're about what, John? Fifteen miles apart, probably. So, at least. So, uh, at, least. at least. But uh, John and Christy, uh, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's great, uh, great to have y'all along. John, tell me a little bit, or Christy, y'all just jump in whenever you want. Tell me a little bit about how you guys. Tell me a little bit about your life, a little bit about your life story, how you got into gospel music, maybe where you guys met, and how how you've moved in with this uh, gospel music. Well, I'll jump in. My earliest memory, literally, is the basement of the First Baptist Church of Pinch every Sunday morning and learning those songs like Deep and Wide and Jesus Loves Me and Marching to Victory and all those, you know, kids songs because our our kids sang every Sunday morning before we went to class. You know? Right. And uh, and uh, to this day, we have a lady, she's still with us. She's in her 80s. Her name is Sue Proctor up at Pinch. And uh, she, when I walk up to her, it's all I can do to not bow at her feet. I mean, she's just that always walked that walk and been that sweetheart of gospel music kind of thing, the queen, if you will, in my eyes, because she was also the huge influence. We had a church quartet there. They ended up doing a few dates outside, so they called themselves the Soul Winners Quartet. It was her and her husband, Bob, and her brother, Jim Gano, and Keith Ledson. 
and uh, the greatest piano player I've ever heard, up to Christy. I, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> <laughs> a man's got to eat, right? That's right. <laughs> but, oh, she she just had such a touch, and I and I just thought everybody had that kind of stuff in their church, you know. But uh, later, going around, you know, uh, as I got into singing and playing music and such, I found out no, everybody ain't got that, right? No, they don't. So, it, 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 it's, they just, I mean, to this day, I still judge. Local groups, professional groups, you know, you got a mixed quartet. I'll, I'll judge them against that quartet. They were just, in my eyes especially, just that big. And I've always uh, been thankful to have that influence. And our church, we, we had a good, solid church, lots of, lots of solid preaching and lots of great singing. We had quartets come through both regional and local and, of course, even some professional groups back in the 60s and 70s. The Prophets, I remember coming. That was probably the biggest group, and they were huge at that time. But uh, we just had a, a church that appreciated that kind of stuff. That's great. You know, and you talked about the kids. You know, it's real important to get kids involved in in music, in gospel music. I mean, it's just just, uh, just vital. I know when I was uh, growing up, and, and uh, you know, I received Christ at an early age and back in June 1962, at Cyrus Creek Baptist Church, and we had something called the Cyrus Creek Baptist Youth Choir. And we mm. went to revivals all over the country singing, you know, and, of course, I found enough about it to know that I, I didn't have a career in music, you know, but, <laughs> but we had a good time, and, and it was it was important for the kids to do that. Absolutely. We we did the same thing. As, as we got older, I was uh, probably 12 or 13. I'm singing in the little choir, the youth choir and the adult choir. They right. finally said, "John, uh, you're getting a little big for the little. Choir. <laughs> <laughs> you need to move on." You know, I'm like, "Oh, okay, whatever." So, I, about the time I turned, I think I was 14, I started a, a new couple, uh, not a couple, a lady and her son moved up on our hill there in Elkview and rented a house. And he was a banjo player, and we became good friends. And he taught me how to play a few chords on a guitar and a dobro, but I really picked up on the bass and we started, you know, playing. I joined the union and played in a band with him and uh, we did all the animals. We did the elks and the moose and the eagles, you know, right. <laughs> all the little town fairs and <clears throat> such like that. So that was my high school years, but, but I was also playing for the church choir and the, choir and the, uh, the uh, youth choir and so forth like that. And, you know, I'd drag in, and, and honestly, I never drank a drop of liquor or nothing, but we played all those things, and it, it later occurred to me, you know, you, you might think you're doing okay with that, but you're really helping these other people to be fooled, right. thinking that they're having a really good time when the only good time they're having is obviously temporary. So I when I got away from that and started playing in quartets and singing and doing little specials and things like that, and that's when Christy came along. She, we were looking for a piano player in 1979, and here comes this uh, little girl, 16 years old, and a uh, mutual friend. Well, you me. robbed a cradle in, didn't you, man? I was. I was, I was about, uh, well, I was 19. Yeah. I didn't like you, though, at first. No, no, I didn't I, like you at first. <laughs> I was a greaser. Kind of grows on you, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah it kind of did, yeah. <laughs> like a moth, right? But, yeah. You didn't so, impress me much. Yeah. <laughs> but we, uh, we, we had a good time playing music together and all that and became friends, and then, of course, Got more serious, and years later, got married. So there you go. 
Yeah. Well, how about you, my, Christy? You grew up with it? My, no, I did not. Um, my my story is quite different. As I'm sitting here listening to John tell it, I'm thinking, I didn't come up like that at all. Um, <laughs> you poor thing. I know it. To some degree, yes, because, you know, I was never in the youth choir. I was mm. never in the children's choir. I never went up front and sang deeper wide and all this stuff. Deep you know, family. Deep and wide, that's what it was. <laughs> so I never did any of that, but what... How I come about was I, my dad worked for a company called Union Carbide, which I don't know what it's called anymore, but um, he only had like a fifth grade education and, and he could do wondrous things with paint. Hmm. So and not only could he take collars, like my mom would have a couch and she wanted this particular collar on the walls. And, and back then he just mixed it and he had the collar for the wall. So he had this ability with paints that probably rivaled a lot of chemists. And so Carbide hired him for a paint specialist. He was a paint foreman. And anytime they would build new units, we would be transferred to wherever that unit was being built. And he would be the paint foreman for the tanks. And so um, we, we traveled that way. So, in early 70s, I don't remember exactly what year, but my dad got transferred to New Orleans, Louisiana, a little town actually outside of New Orleans called Taft. And uh, we lived in downtown Hansville, West uh, Louisiana. And so um, my mom was very homesick for home. And my oldest sister um, went to a concert where she heard a group called the Calvarymen. And the Calvarymen were Virgil and Squire Parsons and Jim Humphreys and Connard and Bernard Cook. And she bought an album called On the Glory Road uh-huh. and, and sent it to my mom. Well, I got a hold of it, and I had the room that had the stereo in it, and I sat down and played On the Glory Road, and I was hooked. I thought those guys were the bomb. I mean, they were just all that. And I loved the piano playing of Connor Cook. He, he had his own style and I adored it. I thought it was the, I thought it was wonderful. And that was my very first gospel music album that was in our house. And I got to listen. I listened to that so much. I knew where those guys breathed. I knew every lick that the piano player played. I knew everything. <laughs> and so I just thought that was was great. And that's how I got introduced to gospel music. We lived in Louisiana. Um, I hadn't even started playing the piano yet, but I always wanted to play just like Connor Cook as far as I was concerned. I just thought he was great. And so, um, I, you know, even when I was a little girl, uh, tall enough to reach the piano keys, I would make beeline for a piano every time I saw it. My mom and dad used to go to an old antique-like store on um, the west side of Charleston, and they had an old piano in there, and that guy tried to sell my dad that piano a hundred <laughs> times, and he wouldn't buy it. And I don't blame him, you know. It was just, you know, it was an old upright. Probably half the keys didn't work, but the keys I could reach did. And so right. um, that's how I came across gospel music and and i was in love from the first and and today you know he talks about uh judging all groups by that i still 
enjoy that those albums from the Galway yeah, we, Moon. We still have them. We still right. listen to them on a regular basis. Yeah. I mean, you just, they were just. Oh, they were fantastic. Yeah. They yeah. were. And so we just love them. And um, I've, I've always just enjoyed gospel music from that point. Mm. But I, I'm more of a Southern gospel music fan than, you know, I don't like. I, I appreciate all the other kind of mu- music there are, but I, my heart is with Southern gospel. Yeah. Right. You know, Christy, uh, you were talking about you had, hadn't even learned to play the piano at that time. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about how you learned to play. This, I've heard this story before, but our listeners haven't, and this is one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard. So share it with us. Okay. Um, like I said, we lived in Louisiana, and my mom, uh, you know, I'd expressed so much interest in this music and then playing the piano. I really wanted to play the piano. And so she found someone to give me piano lessons that lived sort of in our neighborhood. And she lived in one of those old Southern style houses. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. a beautiful place. And um, her name was Mrs. Harmon was her name. And Mrs. Harmon um was uh, had retired to New Orleans and was given piano lessons. And so what happens whenever you take piano lessons is you get these bo- in your books, um, there's like places where there are keys uh, of what you're going to be focusing on. Say it's two octaves. So up above the song will be the two octaves that you're going to be focusing on. And it shows you how to number your, your fingers have numbers and it shows you where your fingers go and all that on these keys and so um i started the lesson well my dad he he was not like i said he didn't want to buy the piano he certainly didn't want to rent a piano either and so i don't know why you know part ornery would would probably be the bulk of it but also i would venture to say he probably just thought i would never stick with it right and so why rent the piano and go through all that trouble you know and so I, um, I go to lessons every week. Once a week, you go to lessons. And what I was doing was I was using initially the little keys that were above the song. So I would play, I would practice the song on the keys above it. And, and that wasn't working quite well because I couldn't really see the music. My, my arms were kind of blocking the song. Right. So I got the bright idea that I would draw myself a keyboard. <laughs> and so I took paper and kind of traced it out over those keys and then and made it a little bit bigger. So that way I could figure out, I could play on a piece of paper and have the book up above the paper so I could see the song. And you're hearing it in your head. And I'm hearing it in my head. I've never, so every week I would play the paper and then I would go to the lesson. And when I went to the lesson, that was the first time I was touching the keys and I was also hearing what I had practiced on paper for for the week prior. So I never mentioned anything to anybody that I was doing this. I just, she just assumed you had a piano. <laughs> and I had never heard myself until I was playing it in her house. And so um, as you grow in your lessons, you're, you're ex- you expand on the keyboard. So you go out more octaves and there's more things you would do. And, okay. and so as, my, as it expanded, as my lessons expanded, I, I just made my keyboard bigger. Right. And finally, it was folding up in itself, getting stuck in the book. And 
So I was I was far along in these lessons and I my piano dropped out of my book in front of my teacher. And she asked me, what is this thing? And I explained to her what I just explained to you, you know, how this is, I'm hearing myself for the first time whenever I'm playing. And uh, she said, really? And uh, my dad never took me to lessons except for that day. And that day, my dad took me to lessons and he was going to pick me back up. Now, she was a Cajun. I mean, she was a petite little lady. But if you know anything about folks who are Cajuns, they they don't care what they say, the language they use, or anything. And so my dad came to pick me up, and she was watching for him. And I think she was probably about four foot, I don't know, eight maybe. She wasn't quite five foot tall, but my dad was six foot plus. Okay, and a big guy. And I looked at, she says, you keep on playing. I got to talk to your father. And so she went out there and I kind of peeked around the corner and she was giving my dad what for. <laughs> she had her little finger. Oh, in she face. did. She was, she, her finger was going 90 miles an hour and he was just standing there looking at her, you know. And I didn't know what she was doing, but she was telling him to get me a piano. And the next week I had a piano in my house. There and you so, go. <laughs> That's a great story. Ever since. I love fact, it. My, the piano that I learned on is actually at Mountain State Christian School right now. Wow. That's so awesome. I have pl- it is. I played it till uh, every when the piano tuners would come to the house, they would ask me how long my husband's been playing the piano. <laughs> and I said, he can tune a guitar with the piano, but he can't play a song one. They said, well, the hammers are worn like a guy plays the piano. And I really credit that to probably playing on a piece of paper for a long yeah. time. But but also the teacher said, don't ever be afraid of playing. Right. Play the piano. And so I've just never been afraid. And of course, you know, once I learned how to play, then my next goal was, man, I've got to play for a group. You know, I've got to play for a group. And my, my dream, my ultimate, like, this I'm in heaven kind of dream would be to play for the Calvaryman. Right. I thought that would just be the, the, I would have died and gone to heaven. <laughs> well, the, the Lord kind of allowed mine and Connor's paths to cross. And, uh, he, he became like a big brother to me. Um, he took me under his wing. He would check on me and he would show me his licks and all that stuff. And, uh, lo and behold, one day, uh, he wanted to go up on the stage and sing with the guys. They would sing, you know, five guys on the stage. And uh, he points to me and says, come and play. And I got to play for the Calvaryman. That's and awesome. I, I, it's a, that was a great moment in life. That was just cool. People that, know, people that know us know Christy has just the greatest rhythm. Oh, yeah. And the perfect fill and all that, not trying to overshadow the singing and so forth. And, uh, she has a great story about that too. How old were you when you went to play for the Jim Humphreys and the Good News Singers? That was her first. That was real my group. first real group I played for was yeah. Jim Humphreys, who was the baritone for the Calvaryman. Yeah, right. And so when the Calvaryman dispersed, he just picked up his family, and um, they were they were a great. Group. They were, and now there's two family groups out of that group. That's exactly <laughs> right. The third generation's in on it with with the grandkids. And see, in the Calvaryman, a lot of the Calvaryman arrangements happened with Jim Humphreys. Jim Humphreys yeah. was was really vital in a lot of their arrangements. He could hear and 
and get you the part. I mean, he was just phenomenal. And so I'd heard them when I, my mom and I went to hear them at the Christmas basket scene that the Mount Mission used to have. Still has. And they still have it. And back in those days, there was like, I don't know, packed church of four or 500 15, people. 1,500 people, yeah. It holds, holds more right And that. so we went and heard them, and, and uh, I come home, and I was mesmerized by that group. Their arrangements, you know, the whole bit. And they had a piano player, and I can't for the life of me remember his name. Creed something. Creed, like some, Hol- Creed Holbrook sticks in my head, but Creed had just had a heart attack the week before. And so he was just blessed to be there. That's before heart attacks. You could get out of the hospital the next day. And right. So he had had a heart attack, and um, he was in that church playing. I mean, he's playing a fire out of that piano, and I loved it. And so I go home that night, and as crazy as this is going to sound to some, um, I'm standing in my bedroom, and the Lord says to me, as clearly as I'm telling you right now, you're going to play for the Jim Humphreys group. And I said to the Lord... I said, Lord, have you not heard the guy that I just heard play for them? Because he's fantastic. <laughs> and so the Lord just said, you're going to you're going to um, play for them. How so, old were you there? 14 or 15? About 14. Yeah. I was about, I couldn't drive yet. So I was 14, I think. And so my mom saw Jim at Burger Chef, I think is what it was called. Right. Uh, yeah. One of those burger <laughs> joint kind of things. And he worked, he was a Charleston police officer. And so she had seen him down there, and she was saying, oh, uh, Christy and I enjoyed you guys so much and just went on and on about it. And um, he said, well, I don't know what we're going to do, he said, because my piano player died this morning. Oh, no. And he said, she said, what? And he said, yeah, she says, my mother says, try Christy out. And he says, I didn't even know she could play piano. She says, yes, she's been coming along pretty good. And so I went and tried out, and they hired me on the spot. <laughs> and he was also the one who taught me about being, he could not play the piano. I mean, he could play a radio, but he could not play the piano. <laughs> right. And so what he would do, when he would hum out what he wanted me to play and the intro he wanted, and when you came off the platform, he would tell you exactly, all of us, exactly where we messed up. Yeah, he just had that, that kind of memory. He'd say, okay, here's how this one's go. And she would play that until he said, yeah, that's what I want. That's right. And, 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 but he was, he was really, I mean, all these great tunes, you hear the Kingsman do them or whatever, they learned them from the Calverman because Conard and Squire wrote them. You know? Right, right. And, and so Jim's Jim's arrangements are national in that respect. They really are. So it's very, it was very cool to sit and, and get to play for pretty much people who made history in our area. Yeah. I mean, you know, to sit there and, and I'm playing what they arranged. Wow. That was just that was just a quite the honor as far as I was concerned. So John, how in the world did you recruit this wonderful piano player that was, you know, skyrocketing to the top of the industry? How, <laughs> how, I don't how, know about that. <laughs> as as you find out in, in life, uh, you know, whether it's business or, or churches or whatever, nothing lasts forever. So right. A uh, couple of years later, here's Christy without a group to play for, and, and here's Gospel Ears was the name of our group. Our piano player uh, had just left. And so um, a good friend of ours, Buddy Coons, who's a guitar player out of Jackson County, 
he uh, he said, hey, I know a girl, you know. So, well, let's try her out. So we all met at Sugar Creek Baptist Church out there uh, in Charleston. Uh, it was like May of 79, as I recall. Yeah, it was. And uh, here we were, and, and we just, you know, it was a good fit. And so we we played there for a couple of years in that group. And, and then uh, uh, we got married. Then we got married not right. too long after that. But we were both out of that group into another group by then, you know, a group called the Patriots. Right. And uh, so, yeah, just, uh, uh, you know, just the Lord just uses those reasons and seasons if you will to allow you to learn and grow and and you know when you're in your 20s and such you don't know you know and i try to tell kids uh when when i was there at church with you at elmwood i tell the kids man you have no idea what church should be like i mean right and then when but when i was your age my youth leader was telling me that and i tell the same thing as the kids at camp so these songs will help you these songs will carry you when you don't, I mean, have anything else to lean on, you can lean on these songs, and you don't need them now. So stick them in your back pocket like a sandwich, because you're gonna need them on your journey. You know. Right. right. <laughs> By the way, I enjoyed your old. Uh, you don't come back, said man. You were right. That song really helped me. You know. Enjoyed your old rendition of uh, "It Is Well with My Soul" the other morning on uh, Facebook. That was great. You know. That's, that was one of them little things that uh, a friend of ours kind of just said, hey, I want to challenge John Christie to do something. So we just, I mean, we didn't even rehearse it. We just jumped up and did a one take and put it on the Facebook. 1,700 views later, here we are. Oh, I know. Yeah, you're trending, you know. Yeah, 400 <laughs> views in less than an hour. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I, think, think, it, I think it was the glasses. Yeah, I think it was the glasses. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, those was, are my those are my Sam's cheaters. Yeah, I understand, <laughs> but it was uh, it was great and enjoyed it. So, John, you know, we talk about Southern gospel and, and Southern gospel singers, and you talk about knowing these folks. It's kind of like a community, isn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. ev- everybody kind of knows everybody, don't they? It it is. I mean, region locally, especially, and then regionally. Uh, also, and then the national crowd, they all know each other and their best friends. You know, they're not, there's, there's competition just because, you know, it's mainly guys, you know, <laughs> so we always, we always want the fastest horse uh, or bus or, you know, the loudest song or the highest note or whatever, you know, but, but as far as it is a, a true brotherhood, a true family community, uh, for example, especially with Facebook, I get to see it when, uh, you know, Legacy Five has a bus down. These other guys are saying, "Hey, you know, help them out, send them money, or pray for them, and that kind of thing." Uh, the Neelands uh, just recently have had a, just a, a run of experiences. I don't believe in luck, so I won't call it bad luck. But if I didn't, that's what I would call it. Right. Uh, Jason has a heart attack, and he's out for a while. And then, just as he's back, he's they have a little farm down there outside of Atlanta, and uh, has a. Uh, uh, He's leading a horse around, uh, and it's kind of skittish. Daggone if his phone didn't go off, and that horse kicked him and broke his kneecap. Oh, my goodness. So he's, he's, he's back out again. You know what I mean? But so so we're all concerned. And, we're, and then, of course, this coronavirus, and this is their livelihood. You know? Sure. This thing has uh, really devastated all entertainers, you know, and or ministries, if you will, whether it's singing, preaching. I mean, there's just meetings canceled left and right. Oh yeah, so evangelists, you know. fundraisers, and things like that online, and trying to keep revival spirit going. I know uh, 
for example, D.R. Harrison is starting an online revival meeting Monday night somewhere uh, down in Tennessee. It's where it's originating from, but it'll be worldwide, of course. Uh, thousands of people. We watched Gold City do a Facebook Live concert the other day, just messing around the studio. There was over 4,000 people watching it. Wow. And, and uh, you know, and they people sending them a dollar or two or $10 or $50 or whatever they feel like sending them, put it on PayPal or write them a check, call it in, you know, however you do it. But but these these things, that's part of that community. We all care about them, even though we don't know them. I'll tell you a quick story about that. And we'll pick up that quick story that John's going to tell us next week as we meet here on Be Boomer Unleashed. Well, it's been great to have you with us uh, today for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed that time with John and Christy. Great folks there have been involved in gospel music for years. And uh, we're so thankful to have had them on the program with us today. So thanks for joining us for this episode of Bee Boomer Unleashed. We look forward to being with you again soon. But until then, have a great week and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye. <music>